0: hey everyone i'm super excited to be here with um lauren's not here i haven't been here for a while so i'm not even gonna say anything because i've been the
1: diva couple- is back the diva is back beyonce is back i've been telling michelle that she wasn't coming back so i guess i'm kelly War- Rowland. that's who i am i'm kelly yep. non-positive i don't I- even know who michelle's last name is like is it williams
0: yeah, yeah, it's Michelle Williams.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness, like she fell off. Well, she don't, I don't even think she falls off. I'm going to be mad if, if I heard this, if I was her. No, she, she not fall off. off.
0: I just think that she's, she Different. didn't take that um music path. So I know she does a yeah. lot of mental health right and now. gospel. She
1: does gospel, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: she does gospel. So I think it was always, like, maybe that opportunity for her that really got her to get some of the resources that she would need. And I, I like the fact that she has talked about her processing her mental health, that she had to kind of struggle through transition and what you thought it would be versus the whole what it is. And I think it was amazing to kind of see like she keeps um, reinventing herself and still trying to find her voice because not everybody could have the Beyonce career, right? And I know everyone wants the, the Destiny Childs remake, but it's like, you know, we may never get it. May never get it, but that's the whole point. That was an era, you know, like there was an era for that. And I think that's kind of like the... I like You know how people say, oh, that person hit one hit wonder? And it's like, well, maybe that one hit was supposed to just give them access to a particular resource, you know? And so because they have that particular resource, they can do other things. So I think it's good to just allow yourself to kind of go into transitions. And it's kind of like on topic of what we're going to be discussing. So how have you been, Lawrence? I've, been, I've
1: been amazing overall, but I think I'm just always very grateful. Um, this is the kind of person I get up in the morning. Thanks for about, you know, health, wealth and whatever it is and just well-being overall. So I start off the day that way. It doesn't mean it's always perfect. I'm not having an amazing, you know, every moment, whatever it is. I'm just a person. That, you know, I rather stick more to sort of the positive than it is right. the negative. I do listen to negative people rant on and I'm like, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. And sometimes you gotta, re- I try to remind people that it could be worse. And I don't think they sometimes understand what I'm trying to remind them for. But in the end of the day, everybody could perceive life the way that they want. But it's been an amazing morning. We went out to like what I call the urban millennial morning where you just kind of wake up, go to, well, we don't go to our side of town because it's not really that kind of side of town. So we had to drive 30 minutes out to the other side of town where everybody's the neighbors are out the dogs are out people are jogging running teams it's a really it's always interesting to see that kind of like lifestyle on the other side of the, the river it's completely yeah. on the other side of the river and it's it's different people really wake up in the, in on a saturday and and get their day going versus yeah. over here not so much at all you don't see no activity It just stay, people stay in and they stay sheltered and huddled in. And it's kind of sad because they're missing out on so much of just breathing the good air outside and kind of just getting some exercise.
0: Right. Um, it's actually something that I'm working on because the whole coming, waking up and then taking a shower, doing your morning routine and then getting straight to your computer You're like, okay, there's a time and place. You get, you know, your Monday through Friday, but you have to kind of like reset. And I think that's where a lot of us are not getting, like you said, the sun, which for us, especially people of color, like vitamin D literally is like what we need to survive. Um, Most of us are low on vitamin D and it actually plays a role in your mental health. It plays on seasonal depression. So those small actions of like taking 15 minutes to walk or going out. The other day I walked out and it's like the air hit my lungs and my body was like, oh, this is good. And I was like, dang, like, what have I been doing to you all week? So one of the things I'm working on is, um, even throughout the day, like the work day, I'm running the business, doing all the stuff, doing school stuff. It's like now starting next week, I'm like every day, I have to get 15, 20 minutes in rain or shine type of thing. Like I have to, even if I'm going, it's raining. There's like a little kiosk thing that we can stand under. Even if it's that I need to get that because I was just like, it was like my body was like, oh, my God, finally, we've been in the house for three days. Like, what is going on? And so it's, it's, it's important. That health piece is always important. You don't think about it. But then you always talk about this. Like, If you're not happy with your life and you're kind of like in a tandem of things, you're kind of like, mm. People that wake up in the morning like, oh, look at the sun, look at how good it is. They're happy, (laughs) they're doing well. And so I think that makes a big difference of like maybe why you might see the difference between the two disparities of the different towns. So,
1: Yeah, I think also um, something I found out Almost like yesterday, maybe when the FinCon dropped some of the photos, and it reminded me that in the mornings of FinCon days, like financial, basically a financial conference that we went to in October, every morning there was a run team. There was a physical activity. So a lot of people think these financial nerds or people that know about financial literacy are seemingly like you know, hey, they just they're nerds that sit behind a computer and they're, they they veg crunching. out or we're crunching numbers and they're just you know, they're sickly that kind of thing. No, these people are very active in all facets of their lives. This is why. I'm getting to the point where I do want to write um, one of these blog posts about financial wellness because it really goes into well-being. And well-being, yeah. when you define that itself and you extrapolate it, it has more. It's not it's not just money. Well-being is everything from a, a certain balance aspect, a certain discipline, a certain, you know, je quoi, joie de vivre, all that good stuff. These are people that are not just trying to, you know, I guess, enhance their financial or financial freedom. They're advancing their entire life. It's just part, the part that you see is the financial freedom, but everything else is also improving in their life, their purpose. The reason when they wake up in the morning, do they wake up with the, like you said, with the energy or do they even manage challenges or even manage relationships better because they, you know, they have a better sense of financial confidence, financial synergy, and just their life is just moving in the positive direction. At least that's what they want to see. And that's what they're trying to emulate into everybody else as well. So it's interesting.
0: I think it's because financial literacy and financial wellness taps into you looking at what you spend time and energy into. And so because it's forcing you, like if you're somebody that has financial astute, like this one lady was like, I've been paying a subscription twice all year. And that's because she just recently put all her financial reports. And now she's deep diving into it right now. She's doing all her budget. I'm actually watching her stories. And I can already tell, like, if she consistently go through this pattern, her life's about to change. You can see when that person has that aha moment where it's like, man, I've been spending and swiping like at Target, Amazon. And she even recognized the days that she went to grocery shop. She would get like a quick Chick-fil-A meal before and like a post grocery meal. So every time she went to go shop, twenty extra
1: 20, cal- extra calories, extra calories on pile up. Woo!
0: Exactly. So she was like, "Oh my god, I didn't even recognize that on my shopping day. There's two swipes for fast food." like because she would go to three different stores, right? She'd go to Target, she'd go to like um, Kroger's and another store, I think with maybe Whole Foods or something like that. And then she's like, man, I'm even going to the most expensive grocery stores. So then she's looking at it in tandem, like, oh, groceries are four or five hours in my day. And because of that, I'm swiping at Chick-fil-A here, swiping at Starbucks right after. There's something going on here. And so I think when you are deep diving into like your financial behavior, it forces you to look at your lifestyle, It forces you to think like, well, if I'm not going to spend money on this expensive gym membership, what can I replace that with? Oh, running is free. Like I could go run. Or maybe my my complex has a gym. Maybe I need to tap into that. Maybe I, I recognize when I go to the gym, I only use like three machines. I never use more than all. There's all these things. But really, I'm using my dumbbells. I'm using the treadmill and I'm doing deadlifts. Like, oh, I could do that in my like my local complex. Right. Those small things forces you. To say, why am I brunching, being the brunch hater today, why am I brunching every Saturday with people that I actually don't like or don't have any commonality anymore with? It just starts to force you to say like, okay, what's my lifestyle? And I think that's why you see the people that do start having financial literacy and wellness and getting through that moment. You'll also notice that a lot of time their friend group changes too you start to recognize that then people are like, oh, you're hanging out with dumb people over there. But it's like, no, I'm trying to align myself with a particular goal and a particular lifestyle. And I'm starting to feel better. I'm starting to wake up and recognize because I have automations with my bills. I'm not waking up with panic like, oh, my God, I'm going to pay to pay that bill. I remember like when I was like out of college, I would be in a random moment. Oh, my gosh. I pay that bill. <laughs> it was like, wait, okay, no, something has to change. And then you start to recognize when you do have the discipline, when you do do the big picture, you're not thinking about them because you're like, oh, it goes on our auto pay. I have a system in place. I get my payment from my business or whatever it is, whether it's your um, two weeks paycheck, whatever it is, it goes, it gets there on the 15th and the 30th. I know that it's pulling this amount of money. It's sending it to my bill account. I'm not thinking about it as much. And so I think when those things are happening, you'll see the, the whole 360 of that person life changing.
1: So yeah, I think there's something there, too, is about like it could be even a, a, a body battery or even a financial battery or like a, a challenges battery. So as you get through your day, you you always deplete in your energy. And if your energy is running on, on low or, or there's like a low hum of something that you said that's bothering you in the back of your mind, that's just draining your your battery all day, every day. Kind of like the same way you want to recharge your, your cell phone. You want to necessarily recharge yourself or basically turn off these apps or su- subtle things that are running in the background that are draining you all the way through. So I'm happy. I don't know. There's just a lot there. And I wish. I don't know I'm getting to the point where I don't want to write but I need to write these things because it's back of my mind and I and like I told um I guess Atlanta um reminded me of this before I, it's like having tabs open in your back of your head and you have to close these tabs out like if you do we went to yeah.
0: dinner, and I, she was like what are you talking about I'm like no I read this book and there's these tabs every time yeah. we don't make do decisions every time we don't do these things what starts to happen is that your brain is still trying to figure out, like, why hasn't he figured out if we're going to throw the trash out today or tomorrow? Like, why? Yeah, yeah, your brain
1: is still on it. (laughs) like, It's like, your brain is still kind of carrying whatever that was like, yo, we're supposed to be going doing the trash, though. Trash is getting nasty. I need to go do it.
0: Right. And so one of the things I learned now, when something pops in my brain, I have this new habit, I'll automatically throw it in my calendar. And I'll say like, hey, check in on Lawrence and Atlanta, or call my mom, and I'll just put it in the calendar. The minute that I do that, my brain knows I've delegated a result for what I was thinking. And it's like not in my brain anymore because my brain just saw, oh, yeah, she put it in the calendar. We're doing that on Tuesday. And so it's like, OK, we can close this tab. OK, we can close this tab. So now it's like I was telling somebody recently, it's like, if it's not in my Counter doesn't exist like if I haven't put it there it doesn't exist because what I'm learning is, is it's forcing me especially being in school like you have exams you have um just random stuff your teacher wanting you to do and you're like what like I got to talk to these people or you have a meeting with your your group project i recognize that, oh, okay, well, I can do this, and I'm doing really well. Like, right now, I have probably, like, 94s and above in all my classes, and I thought because I was taking economics, accounting, and statistics, I'm like, mm, I don't know how this semester is going to look because little, these little Excel sheets and these math are really tough, but I recognize that I've learned something about me. I'm very persistent. Like, statistics was like, oh, sometimes it takes me three, four hours to, like, learn this one subject matter, and it's like two questions. But because I want to know how to do it, I'm persevering into it, and it's teaching me about me. And now I'm telling my friend, like, a lot of things that I was, like, lacking confidence or are not clear, it's because I haven't spent enough time with me to know, like, no, lovely, you're the type of person, if you don't get it right the first time, you're going to pursue it. And recently, I took my last, um, my last assistance exam, like, two, three weeks ago, and I got a 99. And the professor wrote, like, he's like, a lot of y'all struggled. And I was like, well, I I, ain't, I wasn't one of the people that was struggling <laughs> But I thought about, I'm putting 12, 13 hours to learn this material because to me, it's not even about the grade. It's about me persevering through the thing that I'm perceiving as a challenge. And I'm just like, oh, this is building a muscle in me. It's building a growth mindset in me because now I'm like, this is complex. This is difficult. And I remember that whole middle school, you're not, a, you're just not a math person. No elementary, Miss Frankenstein, that's what her name is. That's what I'm calling her. That's in my book. That's what I call her
1: you're going to call her out by, by another name, a pseudo name. Cut. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. And she literally was just like, you're just from one of those people that get math. And I struggled with math. Even in middle school, I found this one teacher that believed in me. And I remember getting an 88 in that class. And to this day, I remember I got an 88. Okay. <laughs> and she taught me that it's about perseverance and then trying. And now that I'm in college again, doing like graduate school, and I'm not in the undergrad mindset. I recognized law. It was just about having a system. I didn't have the right system. It wasn't that I couldn't study. It wasn't that I wasn't good at these quote unquote hard subjects. I didn't have a system. And watching me have the system now, like my accounting exam, like the first two classes, I was like, dang, I don't even know if I really get this. And because I've been studying, I get to the exam. I'm like, this was a little too easy. Like, I was like, why is this so easy? I thought this was more difficult. And I got a 95 on it. And I just missed one equation by like, because I, I put seven years, because talking about compounding, I put seven years instead of six. If I had did six, six years, I, I would have got 100 on the exam. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've been telling myself a lie.
1: Yeah, a lot of people tell themselves that lie for forever. And to your point, especially when it starts off early, either being that first teacher or even the parent. And it's probably even worse when it's a parent because they're so they're so close to you and they command so much uh, of your attention that you believe them. You believe them when it says, oh, you're not good at math. Oh, t- don't be smart. Don't be whatever. Da-da-da-da. You believe these things and you carry it and you assume it's almost like you tell yourself that you're not going to get it. And therefore you fulfill it because that's what your brain does. Your brain says, let's fulfill fulfill this narrative. Like we ain't gonna get it. So as well screw that one up, (laughs) like that kind of thing. But whereas you're right, having a certain level of a pattern, a system and an understanding of yourself to put in the work, you always kind of, anybody could actually succeed. And I wanna ask you a question, Garcia, because I think that's the entire, just the the, the genesis of this conversation is about you going back to get your master's. Do you think, and this is a good one, Do you think it's better, you're better now than if you have like linked it into right after uh, undergrad?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think I probably wouldn't have maybe not even finished it because the mindset that I was in, even when I got my undergrad, I was pushing, persevering to it and I got it. But I think that that confidence level and the inability to push through, I would have just made a narrative. All oh, these people after me, people like me don't do this. So like whatever. But now I'm, I went to the program with a bit of more confidence. Like I've run businesses. I've ran businesses for other people. I've had some exposure. So I'm like, well, I, I know a couple of people in my in my, you know, corporate settings that had MBAs. And I don't know. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, they got it. So I'm like, I could probably, I'm not saying that I'll get necessarily like a 4.0, right? So I said to myself, I could probably do it while I'm doing business. And the minute I got in there, what did I do that I did with everything else that I succeeded in? I said I was gonna create a system. So I created a notion board. I create, I don't even go into the notion board often but it's just there for me to check off my progress. And I create times like today, tonight, this afternoon is statistics evening. I'm gonna go through stats, I'm gonna do everything. And for the exams, I prep my Excel sheets with particular um, process days. And then I'm doing the problems over and over. I'm repetitive with them. In economics, I'm like, okay, I have to turn in our exam, our midterm in a couple of days, like today and tomorrow, I'm going to put the time in to do certain things for that. And so I recognize that, yeah, had I done it with undergrad, I wouldn't have already known that you need a system. I would have just tried to wing it and try to study and cram When I'm probably doing less, quote unquote, work now, but it's a specific system. I'm taking out time to do economics on this day. I'm taking out time to do X, Y, Z on that day. There's 80 questions. Can I do 35 questions today, 35 tomorrow? How do I put all this together? And I just wouldn't be prepared to create that system. So I probably would have gotten the masters, but I probably would have stumbled through it. But now I'm not stumbling. It's just like, okay, this is like, I have a cadence.
1: Yeah, you're learning. You're getting the knowledge uh, version of it. I think I brought this up because even for myself in the past, I think, uh, and maybe even for a lot of students, we were forced to go through school or matriculate through school almost on a social basis. Like if you didn't go to college, you know, who are you? You're a failure, so on and so forth. So we send people into the, the grinder of college and some people didn't make it out. And we push people through in such a rapid pace that some ultimately either failed or they graduated into failing. So they exactly. graduated. Basically, the next level of their life end up being them not of learning all these uh, things, going to jobs, getting fired, not getting fired, or stay meandering in the job, losing self confidence, so on and so forth. Um, to the point where I think that's part of the problem as well. Because on a social level, we we think we try to force people down this grinder, whereas maybe you do need to take a little extra time. Maybe you're not doing too well. Maybe you do need to take a semester or two or three off in, in order for you to really figure out what you need to do next. It doesn't mean that you stop working, like getting paid or whatever it is. It just means that maybe in that moment, you need to slow it down. And to your point, or to, in back of my mind, I remember like me in my 20s. There was a lot more going on, too, like going out, hanging out and stuff like that. There was a lot of mental priorities that, that was more social right. than, than there were actually um, educational, informative, informative, or even philosophical. And because of it, it was harder to kind of concentrate, you know, on something, developing a system or even staying the course because everything was still going on. So I think now that you're in a different space, you can actually address it differently. So you're getting your master's, your MBA. And during that time, I think the biggest thing that any child or even parent of a child or even sibling of little kids running around before they go to college. What I remember about MBAs that are even the master's program, the first day of your master's, you need to start looking for a job. Yeah, I was like the general thing that was supposed to be said, like, you need to start looking for a job. So you're not just getting this master's for an educational sense of just getting a degree to walk on stage and taking that photo so everybody can like it. You're really positioning yourself to get a job at the back end. So you've been doing that. And I guess, why did you do that? Maybe you could kind of tell me your you know, interpretation of it. And how has it been working so far? And what's your timeline?
0: So essentially, when I first got in, I, I run a small business, so that's um, something that I'm doing, right? And I looked at the macroeconomics, and now I can use these terms, because not only that, I'm, I'm studying economics. You're looking at the macroeconomics. We are about to head into a tough period um, in terms of recession. You know about the interest rate. Every VC company that I've been talking to in connections with, they are tight on money. Not that they're not signing checks, they're just being really tight. It's very competitive. All the tech companies from Stripe to Lyft to um better open door are laying off 10 plus percent of their workforce. And if major companies that have the bandwidth to be able to kind of weather the storm of macroeconomics of the economy are doing that, a lot of small businesses are gonna probably suffer. Some may not even survive the recession, right? And so I'm not going to be naive to think that, yeah, this pays, this does whatever, that we'll just continue to be fine. I'm early enough in the building business career because I'm not, I'm not building business for two days, two years. I'm in the 20, 25 years. I hope to build a firm that lasts beyond my last breath. And so because I've recognized my journey of like pacing yourself and I review the last 36 months because I, when I do a project, I think about it in 18 months, 36 months time period. I look at the return on investment. I look at the, the potential of growth, all the things that you should really do if you're doing business. And so what I recognize is like, there's going to be a retraction in the market. And we're not so big that we can say we're just going to weather the storm. We're small enough that, yes, it provides, but not to the place that I can say that if, let's say, we lose two of our big clients, three of our big clients, that it's going to be okay. I don't wanna be in that stressful place. So I said to myself, what is something that I could merge the two things? And and everybody that's probably heard this podcast knows I love tech. I love um, growing companies that are in software and everything else. And being part of the MBA program, a lot of tech companies seek out tech companies, finance companies, and consulting. Those are the top three firms. And if you look at MIT's program, their students get into tech, finance, and um, consulting. Those are the three industries. And like you said, a lot of people I know that did master's did not do the whole, you need to get a job. They didn't know that. They thought it was like, once I get my degree, I'll go out. That's an error because there's so many big companies that literally have programs for students that are graduating within the following year. So let's say you're in your master's program in 2022. You should be applying for jobs right now if you're going to graduate in 2023 because they're literally giving offers early. And the good thing about it is you can get three or four, or five, six offers. And keep them because you don't start until the fall of the following year. For me, that's perfect because here's what I get to do. I get to have offers at hand. I get to see how the business is doing. I get to see, well, if I want to take one of these offers, what company's going to give me the flexibility that I won't? it won't take away from me running my business? It won't take away from opportunities, but it's actually expand my opportunities. Talk about opportunity cost. And there's a couple of companies that meet those criterias where... I'm working, it would be flexible. I don't have set hours. I can travel, it's work from everywhere. And they're paying you upwards $160,000 a year. So when you do the math of that, right? It doesn't take away from what I'm doing. I can have the offers secured. I don't have to, to really start until like August, September. It gives me bandwidth to see, do I actually go on with the offer? So why wouldn't I put myself in the position to have the offers at hand? So that I could probably maybe September, I thought our business was going to retract com- like in a bit major way. Maybe a bus opens and I'm like, this doesn't even mathematically make sense for me to me be at your, your position, but why not have it if I can? And so that's where I'm thinking, because I don't think I'm exempt. I don't have that mindset. Well, that's them, but it's not me. The, like the whole God going to cover me. Well, he gives you wisdom too. So the wisdom is why not know what you're, I'm always even telling people what you're working, even if you love your job. You need to find out what you can go get if you had to, if they fired you, if you they did layoffs. Know what your experience can probably get you. So a lot of people do go get the masters, but they're not strategic. I have recruiters in my inbox that I'm maintaining relationships with. Like there's a couple, like, especially for some reason, um, Chase and Bank of America, they are hounding me like, I don't even know. The things they're offering me in my, in my inbox, I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but they really want like strategy and operations from MBA students. And so I think that's probably why. But nonetheless, it's opportunities. And you now, when, it, when I'm graduating, when I'm done graduating, I can decide they'll be in front of me and I can make a decision based off where I am. I want to start a family in a few years. I want to make sure there's certain things I want to take care of. So for me, it was more strategic to have the offers, and then I can make a final decision at the time. But for somebody, maybe they don't have something else that they have. You want to always have the upper hand. Start early. Network. Know what you are worth on the market. What your value that on the market, not your worth, but your value. What is the value? What is the market value of your degree, your experience? And can you go through these interviews and get them to be able to convince that you're the right person for the job? Because sometimes you can do the job really well, but they're not convinced. So sharpening your interview skills, understanding networking, make the mistakes. Maybe you don't get that first offer. Go after something else. But all of it for me is like, I want to be in a position because I'm reading the news too. I see my clients that used to easily (laughs) do their invoice scratching their head a little bit more. And (laughs) I need to see those things because they have to, I'm going to, at the end of the day, they're going to do what's right for their business. I have to do what's right for my business and my life. So I'm looking at it from multiple angles. And I'm not assuming that this is only one path. I'm going to have all the offers, have all the things available. And then when you recognize there's companies willing to give you Mm $200,000, there's companies willing to give you $225,000. And I said to myself, you mean there's MBA students that are walking out of graduate school and making that much money because they went to at least a decent top tier, tier one school? Because it's not just any MBA, you got to get into a tier one school, tier two school at minimum. But nonetheless, it's like, this is what's happening. You won't know that if you're not in the industry, you won't know that if you're not networking, you won't know that if you're not researching. So to me, it was about all, it's about positioning so that I don't ever have to be asked out.
1: That is a lot. That is insane. And I think that's an amazing strategy that you're pulling off. And a lot of people should definitely take uh, heed to these uh, um, these knowledge points because it's um it's just it's going to change your life radically. And I wanted to talk about a little bit about I guess there's there's the there's an essence like the base salary that people make, and then also the benefits, uh, the extras. And I think. A lot of people don't even know about those things or they don't pay attention to it, especially if you're big tech, big big corporate, whatever it is, you're getting a lot more than just your base salary. Can you talk a bit about that, you know, just to let people know what's, yeah. go- what's, what's, what's beyond the big paycheck?
0: Okay. So right now, the base salaries that I'm seeing are from 150 to 215000 That's base. That is your salary. That's what you're going to get paid. Cash, 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 right? That's what you get on your paychecks every two weeks. And then they're also offering sign in bonus sign in bonuses. I'm seeing from anywhere from 15,000 to 30,000. 30,000 has been the highest that I've seen. I've seen 24. Um, some of the consulting firms offer base salaries 24, 30,000. And you can research these things. You can literally put Deloitte. You can put Boston and um, consulting and say MBA average salary so that you can know what you're trying to negotiate. So you don't get like, um, you know, less than what you deserve. And they're also offering you unlimited PTO. They're also offering you uh, money to fix your office. Sometimes it's five thousand dollars for the year, every year. um These also companies are offer- also offering continued education fees, unlimited books. Like one of the other companies I saw, they gave you unlimited books. You want to buy books wherever you want to buy.
1: Unlimited, just random unlimited yeah. books. Like you're just gonna get some books. You can through get Amazon them. or uh, yeah, through just,
0: Amazon. Yeah, okay. whatever you order. That's actually books.
1: interesting. It's insane. Yeah
0: unlimited books. Um, There's no cap on it. So let's say you wanted to order it. And of course they're not stupid. You can even, yeah.
1: You can even get tuition. Well, not yeah. tuition books, but like books for school and stuff like that. Exactly. You, that's a lot of money for your kids, you know, whatever it is, it's a lot of good books. Yep.
0: And they said unlimited books. And I'm like limited or like, like no unlimited. And I read that again. I was like, Oh yeah, they really mean unlimited books, whatever you want, no cap. Um, So all these things are what you call your, com- your total compensation, right? And so I think a lot of people need to think about compensation differently, just not only on base salary. They also pay 100 percent of your health care benefits. They also are giving you th- the only thing that I see that tech could do a little better on is a 401k. That's the part that I feel like they're not doing
1: the best. What do you mean? What are they not doing the best? Like twenty two thousand five hundred for twenty twenty three. You're talking about the the big mega mega backdoor Roth. 401k are you talking about no that?
0: no meaning that you know how um the companies match you i feel like their yeah. match is not as good as i've seen what's, their, under-
1: what's their match Can, i've seen two
0: percent three percent
1: four i thought it'd be like a good four or five and i've, yeah, I've seen I've a six seen, and and, yeah. a, and i guess a company called formerly known as something and now known as something else they they were doing six percent
0: yeah, so I think for some, I've seen good numbers, but a lot of them I feel like they could do better. 3% is like, not, that's not really as competitive. But then you think about all the other stuff they're offering. And so kind of like, think
1: about like 3% off your base salary is nasty. Yeah,
0: it is, like, it, it is. It's, it's a nasty it amount,
1: <laughs> no matter what. You, it's de- like, it depends how you understand the math to be. So 3% right. off of like what, 200,000, for example, is what, 60K? Is it? Or is it 6K? I think it might be 6K.
0: Yeah, I think it's 6K. The, 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 the,
1: yeah, 6K I guess it's not crazy.
0: Yeah, so it's like so that's the only thing yeah. that I think that could do better. But when you're talking mm-hmm. about negotiating and you're seeing that, and also for me, like flexibility is a huge thing, right? The fact that they'll give you the computers, they'll give you all that you need, and they just tell you that you can't spend more than 90 days and like out of country. Like, but you can spend three months out of country without it being a problem. So let's say I wanted to go ahead and say I'm gonna go work in like Benin or Ghana for three months. My my managers and my bosses are not blinking. They care about getting the execution of the work and of course you meeting, you being at the meetings as you need to be. And so when you think about that, it's like, what's, what's, what's the problem? What's, there's not much of a problem, but I also think that a lot of people need to broaden their horizon. Sometimes before you can get that these roles that I'm talking about, it might mean that during your graduate year, go find their internships. So even on internships, Lawrence, they're paying sometimes the interns 6000 dollars a month in tech. Like they're paying them crazy amount of money. Quit
1: my job, No, I'm my
0: job. <laughs> No, they're paying them crazy amount of money. So like uh, for example, some healthcare, like nonprofit health cares, are actually good places for MBAs as well. Um, they offer they don't offer like the flexibility that text offers. But if you have, let's say you went to like a super um, expensive school, you are as every year you're putting in there, you probably could qualify for that. What um, What's the like, acronym? I can't remember it now. What you're the program that you're in.
1: PSLF? Yes. exactly. Yes, uh, public uh, student loan forgiveness program, which is a federal uh, program for anybody that's working in the service industry. And I think, yeah, you're right. Uh, depending on what type of service you do, you might qualify for that, which yeah. which to definitely help that means you're only paying 10 years of student loans at a different rate whatever that is and and after that all your loans are canceled
0: it's yep. not tax and, um, it's not
1: anything it's all just canceled out of, it just vanishes into the thin blue exactly thin blue so- sea
0: so if you have like really really a lot of student loans and you're thinking about getting into like an MBA program and figuring out what vertical healthcare like there's a nonprofit like there's a nonprofit healthcare company here that in Massachusetts that employs over seventy thousand people which means that there's different departments that you can kind of venture into. Um, that's also things to look into that you he could help you. You just need to be able to see that it's not just oh how much money do I make and you also need to probably get someone to, like maybe like somebody like Lawrence ping him and say hey Lawrence. Um, I'm maybe they're offering me one hundred and seventy five thousand, but I want to negotiate into one hundred and ninety five thousand dollars for my base salary. Where does that put me in tax wise? Should I be taking the more or does that put me? Does it even mathematically make sense for me to take the more or can I tell them to give it to me in equity, which is another thing? I forgot to mention that they also give you equity into the company. The highest that I've seen so far is one hundred fifty thousand.
1: Yeah, there's just so much there. And I wish we could talk about that more and more because I think a lot of people are going to these fields and have no idea what that value really is. So you know, even if you're making 150K, it's, it's already amazing, in my opinion. But if you're making that off the stop, you know, the the out the top at the very beginning of your career, you need to know how to really invest your money in the direct way that would make the most sense for you without necessarily taxing you in the back end. Because that tax is nasty. You're yeah. you're thinking about 25%, 30% taxes the moment you start you know, making at least 150K a year. So you need to really understand how to ensure that you're putting more money into your 401k, 403B, or 457B, making sure that you're taking advantage of your IRA, whatever IRA, traditional or Roth, or even getting to your health savings account on top of understanding what the, the Roth 401k can do. And the mega backdoor and how that could work to your benefit as well. There's a lot there. There's a lot of details, and I'd hope that people really kind of stop, slow down, and definitely probably you know tap in to make this conversation happen on this podcast. Another yeah. thing I'd say, is, um, something that you said before, and I, I I wanted to slow it down because people don't really know why it happens. But your job cannot make let you live. You know, I guess one your job can't let you live in a different state for longer than um, than it's allowed because then it triggers an IRS tax. So basically they're only allowed to almost like, pay you where they hire you from. So if they, if it was already like a remote work that you were, you know, you're, you're hired from DC, but you're working in Florida, it's understood that you're getting paid in Florida. But if you're working in DC and you're hired in DC, then you move to Florida for more than those three months or something like that. Then it means that, you know, you're technically, your state of re- residence is Florida. Or the yep. same thing that could be said uh, by um, being international as well. So yeah, they could allow you to kind of slide through a little bit, but the IRS provisions really kind of caps that off because the moment you stay there for too long, then technically you live over there. You don't live over here and you'll be taxed on on different premises and different understandings. And some of those benefits that you have kind of just float away because you live overseas. So there's a lot of details why they create these provisions. And I don't want to make it seem like it's your job, just trying to like, you know, screw you over is because there's a, bigger play all the time in regards to your taxes. Right. you need to understand that and you need to understand your position as well.
0: Yeah, I think people do need to understand that these companies do have lawyers and they have guidelines and federal federal regulations that they have to maintain. So it's not necessi- it's not really work from anywhere all the time. It's like, well, you can, but you're capped at here. Like, for example, um, one of the companies that I'm working through and applying through, they have 12 international offices and they say, "Yep, you can go ahead and visit any of them. But once it's past 89 days, you better figure out how to get back to your country, because that's where we're telling the government of that country that you work and you're established. So, yeah, they have 13 offices, but you can't just say that, oh, I'm going to go work at the Paris office for a year that requires logistics, that requires them, you know, you, now you're um, not a tourist, you have to have a working visa. There's a lot that goes into it and it costs them money. So they'll put in their policies, which is why they have VPN on your computer. This is why they'll, IT will be like, you know, so-and-so been in Africa for about six months now. We need to do something about this because if we get caught, it's going to be us being fine. Um, So it's one yeah. of those things and where- You
1: could get fired for that too. Like exactly. it could be, it could be part of your- um, your your contract at your job. A lot of people, especially in the digitals now, they're going to work, they're they're documenting it on TikTok, so on and so forth. And within those provisions in their contract, it says you're not supposed to do that for conflict of interest, uh or even protecting just like intellectual property, so on and so forth. And you're out here
0: to know that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're out here la 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 Molly. Instead, because what IT does on the back end is, like, they know you're going to be in Bali, so they have to make sure that there's certain proxies encrypted. I'm actually consulting with um, a company right now, and I can't even use my personal to do anything. Like, I can't, I can't download their reports on my personal at all. Like, it's just, there's a firewall. And so I have to get their material to do what I need to do because that's how, like, that's how the much security level you need to be able to access these things because they have to maintain HIPAA. They have to maintain the guidelines within the regulations that they are. So when they are bringing an external consult, they're like, yeah, you can do this. We want you. This is good. You can't use your material. So, and then what's interesting is like, you know, I'm a Mac girl. So now having to use some of these other things, I'm looking like, oh my goodness, like, this is you have an old age. No, it's just because I, I love Mac. <laughs> That's all. But nonetheless, it's like you, 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 the more you do, the more you experience, the better you can have better decision making. I think what graduate school opened my eyes to is possibility even more. It opened up to my capacity even more. I'm telling myself, oh, this is going to be super hard. And I'm like, this is feeling a little too easy. But that, you know what that tells me? I haven't been challenging myself enough. And that's what's telling me that it's like yeah that should have been harder and that should have been more but you've up leveled but you haven't realized that you up leveled so now because now i recognize i up level i have to challenge myself even more what market do i want to dominate and like i'm not using those type of words like what market do i want to dominate what is the skill set that i want to really be out there and do well one of the things i recognize every class that i've been in every professor that i've had interaction with I'm committed on my ability to articulate ideas in a captivating way, captivating way. So essentially, my speaking skills, like for whatever reason, I can speak a lot. I do. I run my mouth a lot. But people are interested in the story. They're interested in learning more. So how could I capitalize on that skill set? I need to be speaking more. I need to be doing more trainings and workshops. So now I want to have a portion of like my my flywheel of things is I want to now go after those speaking engagements. I want to go after those workshops and putting myself in that position because when I recognize, there's a gifting there that I just wasn't tapping into yet. And that might open so much more doors for me because now I'm confident to know, like, this is feedback I'm getting from people that don't know me. Like if Lauren says it's like, yeah, Lauren stole me, maybe he hyping me up. Atlanta says, yeah, she knows me. But when you're having people that have no reference to who you are say it, it's like, oh, this must be something that's actually beyond just my circle, but I have like social proof for it as well. So many things that I'm getting out of the graduate program.
1: Yeah, I think you 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 nailed on a few things here, who I think is very important. The idea that you can find a different skill that really suits you, but I, I wanted to almost like double down on it, and it's like that skill doesn't have to be as verbose. Or I guess that's probably not the good for, uh, uh phrasing there, but ultimately, it doesn't have to be as loud as what we see on social media. So there's a lot of like big talkers, loud talkers, a lot of people that are are making it big and making it happen in that that field. But you don't have to be a a social influencer to really make a lot of great money and still influence the entire industry. And I think that's what we're seeing. And that's the this. That's what we're not seeing. We're seeing too much of the influencer that only use other people's products versus the people that actually created this product. under the people that sell it in the background, the people that are really making the big bucks. Yes, you find an influencer making one hundred thousand dollars in a year, but you're talking about a business that that runs this sucker and they're paying out their employees 200K a year. On average, one hundred and fifty k a year, plus well, plus whatever benefits and and all these other things that goes along with actually running a structural business. That's why you hear the the trillion the trillion dollar company. You know, the idea is like, yeah, that one that one social influencer or maybe a hundred social influencer making you know hundred thousand dollars a year, maybe fifty or even sixty or seventy. This is good, but then you have actual people with real jobs in that sucker pulling in way more money i think that's what we need to see more and i think that's what we need to encourage uh, into our young adults so that they're not just kind of giving up on the uh, the pursuit of education the pursuit right. of understanding the knowledge and the pursuit of like you said dominating an industry whereas you can just basically flow into being quote-unquote a brand for an industry
0: exactly so. Cause that's big difference. And that's the game that I recognize that I want to play. Like I, I, I do content for fun. Like you'll see me post like, yeah, I, I wanted to have a creative juice. Let me post, post it. But I recognize like, I don't want to just be like a quote unquote brand person. Like you said, like they have like all these following and they're, you know, really motivational, but they're not impacting an industry for real. They just, you know, motivate people, which is not bad. Like we're not, I'm not dissing on that. It's just like, I'm thinking about like, okay, when um when people call Brené Brown she has both she has a very public brand but she gets paid a lot of money to get into organizations and do organizational change a lot a lot more than probably what she makes in the other things that she's doing because she gets people like Google she has like people like Amazon like to the point that we don't know who she works with we just know that she does the work and the industry she's a leading industry expert that Even the military calls on her. The military, the military, the U.S. government call on her to say, hey, can you speak to our Navy SEALs?
1: Nice. That's kind of that. That that is a cold. Like, yeah, I get a call from whatever. And it goes to that post I did today, which is a shady post to people. I did run into a a person that says she is she she explained I am a wealth manager. And I was looking at her like, I don't care. Like, I don't manage, you know, wealthy people's money. I am wealthy. It's two different things, right? Like, it's, I don't pretend. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't live in the world by wealth by proxy. That's not who I am. I'd rather be actually wealthy. And I think that's what I want people to learn, at least from me or from the podcast or for anything I, I, I lay my hands on, is that you don't have to just merely be by proxy to something. You can actually be this thing and you don't have to pretend to get there. You know how to uh, fake it till you make it? Can right. we stop faking it? Can we right. just make it? <laughs> like How about that? Can we just, just stop faking all of it and just be like, you know what? I know this stuff. I don't just copy paste it. I know it. I'm confident, I'm stable, I know what I want. And I think we started off with this conversation about you getting to your MBA, but also understanding that at this stage in your life, you're taking pure dominance in your structure, how you're conducting your systems and really changing the way that you live because that's that's the wealth. No matter how much money you're gonna be offered, you know, you, you can take away the job, but the things that you learn along the way, that's what makes you the wealthiest that you have ever gonna ever be. Like exactly. you yourself are the the generator of wealth.
0: Exactly. And it's funny because I said that to uh, um, one of the ladies that I spoke to at one of the companies and she said, I can tell that you're confident in who you are and you're unwavering in that. And she said to me that, you know, you'll make it anywhere. And that's, you know, that's the, the compliment that I, re- I recognize that I didn't know that I need to hear that, that it's not a specific path, but it's me. It's all that I've accumulated. So I want to say this as we're closing off. I know people are going through a lot of layoffs, um, big companies, and more to come. I, I hate to be the bearer of the bad news, but more to come. We see the macro economics that's happening. We know that's going to be impacted. Some industries are going to do better than others. But what I want you to take away is if you do lose your job and you have to pivot, that this is why I recommend to everyone you need to be writing everything you've accomplished and you need to re, re, um, re, write down what skills you've acquired, because the job is not you. You made that job. Your expertise, what you brought to the table is what it is. So whether you're going to go back to school to get something else, well, these are all things accumulating to make you better, so that no matter where you are, it's going to be good. So my encouragement is have a strategy, but if even if what you plan does not work, even if what you think, I'm a cognitive to know, I ain't all these offers. Macroeconomics come and they do the math and they're like, can't bring you on anymore because the way the economy is looking is just saying, we, we just can't do it. We're, we're doing hiring freeze like Facebook has done, like Microsoft has done. I think all this to say, you need to gain the skills and do the work because no matter where you are, no matter where you land, if you have done the work and you haven't been faking it, it'll shine through. So that's my ending place.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll end with this and I'll try to get better at saying the story because I find it so fascinating. I f- almost forget exactly how, how, how I heard it. It might have been Femcon. It might have been just a ad hoc conversation. But I heard the, the story of the cow, the buffalo and the storm. Have you ever heard that one? Nah. So, you, OK, a lot of people don't know that one. But this is actually funny. Basically, when a storm is coming, there's two types of, um, there's the cow and then there's the buffalo. The buffalo, maybe they're stupid, maybe they don't know what's going on. They actually turn, face the storm and actually run right towards it. It's the oddest thing you've ever seen. Whereas in contrast, the cow turns away from the storm and actually runs away from it. What ends up happening is that the storm will come no matter what, but the cow out of fear prolongs the storm that image um, threat that's always showing up. And the longer that they go the office director, the longer the storm gets to get there and eventually overtakes them while they're almost like they're walking, you know, hand in hand with the storm. So they're in the storm for even the longest. They they dread the storm for the longest. They're in the storms for longer. And they kind of like, they live the storm for longer. Whereas you have the buffalo completely irrational at the moment. It's, not, it's the most challenging thing you can ever do. They face it. They face that obstacle. They face that wall. They face the trauma. They face whatever it is that's bothering them. The lack of understanding, the lack of knowledge. They face it. They run right to it. It lasts shorter. They're in it for less time and they actually go beyond the storm while the cow is still running away from it. So I just thought it was a, a, it, like the analogy in your head, like when you think about it, that's exactly what it looks like. It's so messed up, but it's true. And I would hope that whatever storm that you're going to go through in regards to the, the downturn that's um, coming in, I'd hope that you you know take on this challenge. Don't run away from it anymore. Maybe running away from it worked at one point and maybe it, 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 it continues to work for you, but it's not going to save you from the, the impending storm that's happening. You need to challenge yourself. You need to go right into it. You need to learn as much as possible. You need to pivot if, you know, if, if whatever you've been doing hasn't worked and you to just go for it and just grow and believe and have faith that the process, there is a, gre- there's, there's a clear sky on the other side of that storm instead of running away from that storm. So either way, you're going to get out of this storm no matter what. So that's all I got. I'm still working on that delivery, though. <laughs> I think it's an interesting yeah. story.
0: But the concept is pretty dope. Well, this was really good. I hope everyone learned something, got something out of it. You can find us on the Financial Grio on Instagram and individually. You can find me on Lovely Merdellis on LinkedIn and Instagram or the places that I am. You find me on TikTok. I'm just there, just there, (laughs) not doing much. I haven't learned any of the TikTok dances, even though they're super cool. I just haven't been able to get those steps. So you're you're just not going to get that from me on TikTok. But you'll get my fun, calm content. But um, Lawrence, where they can where can they find you?
1: You can find me on Instagram. I think that's where I got the most followers, the most uh, retention and the most growth is through Instagram. So you definitely find me at The Neighborhood Finance Guy, as well as online at www.theneighborhoodfinanceguy Finance Guy, where I'm dominating on these SEOs and stunting on my competition here and there. But I don't have a lot of competition, but I definitely like to stun on them. So <laughs> it is what it is. No pettiness, all no sportsmanship, nothing. nothing. I'm just having a good time. But I definitely love to share as much financial literacy, anything that I've learned, anything that could be of use to you. So you could find PowerPoints, you could find Excel sheets, you could find pretty much just about anything over two, almost like 300 articles. By the end of the year, it would be 300 articles that's on there and 50 resources. And I've been featured on multiple things. I've been to multiple other podcasts. And next year, I, I don't know, I'm getting a little hyped and I'm, I'm feeling the, the motion that I will also be going back to school as an old guy, but going back to school as uh, to become a certified financial planner. There's nearly like less than 3% of um, certified financial planners are Black. And I think I want to improve that number by 1%. Uh, by, by one person it might, it might even it, it might not notch it up but i think i definitely want to help out people especially young urban millennials that do make a, a sizable amount of money really retain a lot of that wealth in order for us to bring it back to the community bring it back to our homes and really change uh, our livelihood for the next uh, 50 to 100 years so that's what we're doing that's what we work so the with that being said the financial griot one down today but i'm happy to see lovely back our beyonce is back for at least this one episode and we'll never see her again because she's gonna be making that money and that bread and then she's gonna drop her solo album She's gonna like deuces for so y'all yeah. but it's all good it's been a great time and i hope that you share this conversation with your friends you follow us on social media because we definitely want to see your reviews we want to see your reactions and we want to know what do you want to know about wealth because that's what we do we know this stuff we want to share with you so don't make it harder on us make it easier on you that said, we out.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to the Financial Grio podcast, powered by the Wealth Builders Collective.